Today's episode of Setting the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. Yeah. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to episode 79 of the 78th podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J U M O S Q. I'm here with my co host, Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at Forvert. Say what's up, people, Chuck. What's up, good people? We're back after I don't even know how long it's been. It's not important. It's been it's been a month yeah, at okay. least. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and every time it's so, it's so funny because people tweeted us, "Oh, when are you guys gonna uh, release this new episode?" And we'll always be like, "Tomorrow, tomorrow, 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 tomorrow." <laughs> My favorite thing is the conspiracy theory that like we're just gonna stop talking to each other. You guys just don't know. It's just life is crazy. Charles moved cities. I like basically just came out. Of finals where I was taking like what was equivalent to like five classes and I accepted three jobs in the past month so yeah life's just been kind of fucking nuts for both of us it's been good life's been good it's just been hectic yeah so, uh, but we, we still got takes we still talk about takes behind the scenes we just haven't been able to record something but we're here now and since we have cornered ourselves into this hole where we don't have enough time anymore to do a division a week <laughs> Uh, like we had planned, we're going to run through the final eight or the final four uh, divisions that we You're getting on. Yet. Sixteen teams today. Yeah. Sixteen teams. <laughs> Sixteen teams. So we still have to run through the AFC East, NFC East, AFC North, and NFC North. Uh, so since we're going to be here for a while, you better strap in and let's kick it off with the AFC East. All right. Uh, so we're talking about the Jets. Yeah, the Jets first. Yeah, the Jets first, because we're going in reverse draft order. So, the Jets. This is like a a weird year where the Browns and the Jets both have multiple, like, viable quarterback options. And it's kind of strange. But uh, I feel like that's really the only intriguing part of this team, you know? (laughs) What's going on with the quarterback situation? Their their wide receivers are kind of weird, right? Because Terrell Pryor very much could have, like, a bounce-back year. Um, It's within, like, the realm of possibilities. Quincy Nunwa was like a really underrated receiver going into last year, but he missed all of last season. And then Robbie Anderson is just like the he's like the touchdown regression guy this year, and then he just has like off field stuff too. So I, I guess we have like big questions about their receivers and stuff. I'm more interested in like just just figuring out if like Jeremy Bates is the reason that their offense was like air rating last year, right? Because we we heard um, you know John Morton basically got the axe and people were attributing a lot of their quarterback success. People, everyone thought that Josh McCown leading this Jets team last year was going to be the worst offense in football. They ended up being like 20th, which like whatever, but exceeding, exceeding by 12 spots is, is worth noting. Right. So to figure out if it was Morton or if it was Bates for the success of this offense um, is interesting moving forward, I would say. Yeah. And even I think up until McCown got hurt, because I was, I'm writing something that's coming out next week. Uh, I've been working on for a while. And I think McKesson McCown got hurt week 13, I want to say. 
And up until that point, the Jets were ninth in big play percentage, like plays that were over 20 yards uh, through the first 13 weeks of the season, which is, like you said, considering what we thought they were going to be going into the season, that's like a major, major overachievement, uh, I think it was fair to say. So, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see what happens with the receiver position. But, you know, there's really not much to think about or care about with this team outside of that. So, you know, we're probably going to get – I think we're going to get Sam Darnold starting week one. What do you think on that? Just because it kind yeah. of feels like that's where. Have, have you seen how much? How much Darnold have you seen this season? I've seen every throw that he's made. Okay, all right, well, I'm right with you then. Um, he looks a lot more natural now. Like his footwork is a lot more natural than it was coming out of college. I thought. Yeah, and somebody got in his ear and and told him you got to chill on like the the reckless Jameis Winston type plays that he would do <laughs> at USC because. He's been, he's yeah. been, I think like one of the biggest concerns with Donald, at least for me, was he can just get into these rhythms where he just starts playing way out of control and trying to do too much, but you've kind of I seen... Mean, he, he, led, he led college football in turnovers last year, so... Right, right. yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was a real concern, but he, he, he looks way more into control. I think, hopefully... Hopefully he get, he opens it up a little bit more because he's been pretty conservative with his passing, but everything situationally looks good for Darnold so far. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up taking that starting job and then McCown basically plays teacher mentor. This is how you approach like a bye week approach, you know, the week after the bye week type of, type of guy that like Cleveland said that they didn't have in the room for. Um, Teddy's an interesting one though because Teddy can be moved for basically nothing. But I don't know any team right now who is like, yes, I want to take on, I think it would be like $8 million in salary um, for Teddy Bridgewater right now. So unless someone, like it would have to be an aging quarterback who isn't that good um, and have like Teddy Bridgewater be like a future plan basically for a team to trade for Bridgewater, right? Like it would have to be Tannehill going down, Andy Dalton going down, or Eli Manning going down for a team to trade for Teddy Bridgewater at this point, right? Like, it does, just doesn't seem likely. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem likely. And, it, right, like you said, it doesn't – there just aren't that many spots because I can't really remember a time where just about – whether it's a contract extension or a draft pick, just about everyone has made pretty, like, heavy quarterback investments recently in the league. So, I, I don't – Everyone's really... basically locked in for, like, two years. Like, whether you like the guys that they have or not – like, Keenum is probably going to get burned for two years, even if he doesn't do great this year, right? Whereas that's why I think it's like when you look at the vet situations right now, it's Cincinnati, it's Miami, and it's the Giants. Yeah, and I guess, like, a under-the-radar team could be Tampa Bay, but they don't really seem like they would. You know, it's fun, like, it's fun for us to talk about the Bucks. Hey, maybe you should trade they already They already paid, like, Fitz, Fitzpatrick so much to be a backup, and he's in his second year there, too. Right. So I I don't know. That yeah, one doesn't make that much sense to me. Yeah, but I, I I think it just like from our perspective as a fan, hey, you could trade for Teddy Bridgewater and what he could end up being better than Jameis. Uh uh but you know, there's there's no real clear landing spot for Teddy right now. So I, I think the the most likely situation is for him to end up uh as a backup to Teddy to Sam McDonald when the when the season kicks off. And McCown just holds a clipboard. Yeah, McCown just gets a check to be a teacher to both of those guys, which apparently is one of his best traits. 
We're, mo- we're moving to the next team because we spent entirely too much time on the New York Jets. Uh, what about uh, Buff- the defense? The Buffalo Bills. Defense. What's up? Defense. What do you want to talk about their defense? Jamal Adams is fun. Uh, all right, never mind. They, they still <laughs> don't have a pass rusher. It's been like 10 years now since they've had a decent pass rusher. They, uh, they're, they're them and the Rams, who we've been talking about as like the worst pass rushing situations in the league, um, at least in terms of edge defenders, are both looking at Junior Gillette, apparently. I saw that come across my Twitter timeline. And Junior Goulet would instantly be the best pass rusher on either of those teams. So that's worth something to look at. Um, I mean, he's obviously still on the market because of off-field issues and the fact that he was basically the fourth guy in Washington. But when he did see playing time there, he was doing solid. So that um, might be something worth moving forward. Last thing we have to do, over-unders. Oh, yeah, uh, seven. Seven, oh, under. I... You're taking the under? On the Jets? Yeah. Are, are they the second-best team in their division? Uh, I still like Buffalo's defense, so no. I like, But their offense is going to be so bad this year. <laughs> and I, I think I'll go with Miami over the Jets. Uh, uh, my, my goodness, I'm, I'm not with you at all. Okay, I think the Jets are the second-best team in the division. Which uh, doesn't mean much. Yeah, it doesn't mean it anything. Means seven <laughs> it means seven wins, but... Uh, I'm sticking with seven. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll go push then. Push. Okay. Now I was just, um, I, I forgot how bad Buffalo's offense is gonna be in Miami City disaster too. The Buffalo Bills. Speaking of which, all right. How do we? Agent McCarron's collarbone is already busted. Right. So he's out the picture. Uh, Josh Allen just got today's Monday. Uh, Josh Allen just got his first first team reps today. He's gonna get them this week. So you know things are kind of lining up for him to be the the starter for the week three game, which is a, a good signifier for who's going to be starting come week one. And I think that after the draft, we were both on this where it wasn't the, it wasn't a fact that Josh, Josh Allen was the most pro ready of any of the quarterbacks. Cause I don't think anyone would say he was, but he just had the lowest bar to clear in order to get the starting jobs. Like when it, when it came out that, Oh yeah. Yeah. So like when, there's, there's a path of least resistance to, to starting quarterback minutes. So let's do Buffalo. Right, and I, I think it, we were both on the same page that it made sense when uh, the Vegas rookie start numbers came out and Josh Allen had the most. We were like, yeah, that makes sense just because his competition is A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman, and one of them just died. So uh, Josh Allen, step on up. And I will say that he hasn't been a complete disaster. Like, you still see the bonehead plays, uh, which are in there a little bit too frequently, but it, it's kind of easy to see how he could walk his way into the starting quarterback job after watching the preseason. Yeah, there's like that that touchdown that he had in compressed space, right? They were like probably 10 yards out, I would, I would say. I think yeah, it was the first was preseason first game. And he threw that ball that he absolutely should not have thrown, and people were like, wow, that's crazy that he can hit things like this. I'm like, man, if that's an interception, do you know how big, like, I've done all this stuff for Oswald Scott in the past couple of weeks where I've been writing, writing about uh, analytics and, like, pass efficiency and, like, what passing efficiency looks like inside the 10, things of that nature, right? Like, Aaron Rodgers is, like, I think it's something like 47 touchdowns and one interception inside the 10 over the last three years. Like, throwing interceptions in the red zone in compressed space is not something you want quarterbacks to do. It can completely derail your offense, right? It can derail entire games. It can derail entire seasons. And Allen's hitting them right now, but at some point, those are kind of 50-50 balls, and the the benefit does not – outweigh the reward there or the the benefit does not outweigh the risk there yeah i mean it, it was a it it for me it was more 
not that I can't believe he made that throw. I can't believe it was completed because like he, there were so many defenders around that ball, and it was like right in the corner of the end zone, so you don't even have that much room to maneuver and make a mistake. I was like, why the hell did you throw that? Oh, it's <laughs> it's like down. that, and then the Mahomes play where he triple clutches, and you just can tell that he's just going to throw it deep, and you're like, I've seen this. Because you, you can't see downfield, right? So you just see a quarterback triple clutching, and his eyes are just down the middle of the field. Yeah. And you're like, every single time I've ever seen anyone do this, it's an interception. And he just out outflanks three defenders over the top with Tyreek Hill. Uh, yeah. So, sticking back to Buffalo. Okay, Josh Allen, I think he's going to be the week one starter. Good luck, because they play a pretty awful schedule of defenses this year. I think they have the Vikings and the Jaguars pretty early in the season, uh, which is going to be something for Josh Allen. It's going to be something that he's never seen before. Uh, in the rest of that offense, like their skill talent just sucks, man. Like I, I don't know how I don't know how else to phrase it, but Sh- shady left, shady right. I uh, shady good night. Look at me, look at who's blocking for him. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's there's no one there. I uh, oh my god, that, if I if I Jesus Christ, dude! Every time I talk about the Bills offensive line, I have to hear about Ryan Groy from Buffalo fans, and right. I don't, I'm not even sure if he's starting at this point, um, but. I just have a vendetta against Ryan Groy. I've never even actually seen him play. I've just seen his name in my mentions so much that I just resent him. It's yeah, they're 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 all in on this offense, and I, I guess you know there's kind of a fear that you can't not be in because if it doesn't work, that means you're punting like three more years. <laughs> it's like oh, we're hard reset. Like we're gonna have to wait for the next head coach, basically. Yeah, and then you know that's gonna be a, a couple. A couple years away so like bills being bad is not even an option for bills fans to believe which you know i respect the dedication to pure lunacy uh that's fine <laughs> but the rest of this offense like i just don't know what you can expect them to do once they start playing like full fully staffed fully game like defenses are fully game plan for them i i just don't think that they offer enough to the table to even pose a threat. I do like their defense, like on the flip side, but because just because they have a defensive line in the secondary, like that'll that'll serve you well. But the offense just looks to be so bad this year. I don't even know what to do. Yeah, and the weird thing too is I saw. I don't know if Trent Murphy wasn't playing, if he was injured or whatever. I'm not really keeping track of injury reports in the preseason because I'm not even that much of a degenerate. But um, Shaq Lawson is starting over Trent Murphy, and Trent Murphy just got the back so. That's something interesting. Kyle Williams, I think, already got hurt. So it's not like that front seven was looking any good. There was one game. It was the second preseason game. I forget against who. Um, they were just getting ran all over. Yeah. What are you cooking? Be right back. <laughs> uh, I'm back. <laughs> Bill's defense. Huh? Bill's defense. Where were we? Uh, Bill's defense, they're very bad. They were getting ran all over in the second game. Um, I think Tremaine Edmonds basically ended up in the wrong gap on one of these plays. Like on, It looked like he was stunting, but no one else was stunting. And uh, a run went for like 25 yards or something like that. So right now they're just not looking good between the Kyle Williams injury, Trent Murphy playing, off the, playing on the bench, and then Edmonds just hitting the wrong gaps. They just kind of look... Weird, and they they were a defense. They were a defense that did good last year, but they were very like secondary heavy, and especially safeties. And I don't know how. I mean, other than the Seahawks, how consistently we see defenses who are just dominant and are based off of safety play. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Trey Trey White was pretty good last year. 
No, he he was really good as a rookie. But even then, like like I said, it's defensive backs. It's like the guys who are just added in uh, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, and then Tre'Davious White. Yeah, I, I'm I'm I, I actually I don't know. I, I I like their defense like on paper, but that. The, that defensive tackle spot next to Starlow Tulele, or you could even include Starlow Tulele. Like, it, I think if Star ends up being your leadoff defensive tackle with Harrison Phillips, that's probably not going to scare anybody this year. Uh, but man, like, it, it just—it's just weird seeing the Bills fans be all in on this team and they stink. Super Bowl bust. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's very odd, very odd culture, but who cares? Uh, over six under. and a half win total. Oh, under. That's why you just you just said Buffalo is better than. I don't know. Okay, well I changed my mind. I don't care. I'll, I'll say anything I want. <laughs> <laughs> who who's officer? Who's holding me? Who's holding me to my words? Okay. Uh, the Miami Dolphins. Oh, I mean, you can take this one. I I I don't give a shit about this team. Um, it seems like Devontae Parker is officially dead. Like, we, we can say that Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills, and Danny Amendola are all outplaying Devontae Parker at this point. Um, I haven't heard a damn thing about their backs looking any good or their tight ends looking any good. Um, the offensive line, like, has they names stink. in theory. Yeah, like, they have, they have names, but they're not names that you necessarily – like, it's sitting on his, like, fourth contract, right? Kilgore, who isn't good but was traded for, so people – think that he's good just because he was traded for Tunsil who hasn't um met up to expectations since moving out from guard and then Juwan James who just was I mean he's a bust as a first round pick I don't care how long they hold on to him hey well there is one change Larry Tunsil did change his jersey number from 67 to 78 so that's one positive change for is positive. the Dolphins offensive line but man uh Here's here's one thing that I was kind of confused about. I, I, have you watched the uh, their Panthers? They getting against the Panthers yet? The one where uh, Christian McCaffrey went off and then Indomitian Sue Instagrammed and said right through the middle. Yeah, that I, one. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. So before I I watched that game this morning and there were mad people who were like, "Oh my God, Tannehill was awesome in that game," and I looked at the stats. He went fourteen to seventeen for. 100 yards, which is like... <laughs> it's like the it's the Christian Hackenberg game from, I guess, Tennessee last year in the preseason where he completed like 80% of his passes, but his like, he was throwing like, his average was like two yards per pass. It's like, right. yeah, no shit. You could do that forever. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but I, I thought maybe... Completion maybe, percentage is a farce. Right, right. So 14 for 17 for 100 yards. Like, you're not really moving the ball in any effective manner. And Adam Gacy, hey... Maybe maybe Jarvis Landry is right, and Adam Gacy is just a coward, like a coward play caller. Because when you watch them in the preseason against the Panthers, I mean it's the same thing where you're just throwing like short little screens and checkdowns and hitches, and you know nothing that's gonna scare a defense. And I just I really just don't understand like why are you gonna spend all this money at receiver and then still keep playing like this soft brand of offense i really don't understand it and it's like it's weird seeing greg williams and adam gacy be like the face of discipline and you know machismo whatever what have you and then they just come out and call they're not they're not mexican don't put that on me all right what you know what i'm trying to say (laughs) with their with their chest hair all out and then they come out and call plays like they're scared of of everything I, i don't get it and the dolphins they're just a boring team like 
what is it? What else is there to say? I mean, the defense is you, you drafted Minka Fitzpatrick. He's like the same player as Rashad Jones. I don't really know how that one fits. I, I think Xavier Howard's intriguing at corner, but you still got like the worst coverage linebacker in the history of the NFL in Kiko Alonso. Kiko Alonso, back man. There. Like, I, I, I really don't know what there is to be excited about with this team. I don't either. They spent a lot of assets on defensive events, like physically on defensive events, right? Andre Branch, uh, William Hayes, Cameron Wake, Robert Quinn, Charles Harris. Um, but I don't think that you have the game plan for any of those guys at this point in their career. Shouts to early career Robert Quinn. Um, like going into the stadium, you worry about Cameron Wake, who's going to be a rotational pass rusher at this point in his career. And it's not great when you're basically paying, paying, paying full price for five different defensive ends and you have nothing up the middle. Yep. Uh, this team stinks and they're, they're just boring, man. I got <laughs> like any team led by Ryan Tannehill is just not going to catch anyone's interest, especially when you got Brady still sitting the top of the division. Like, the, the gap between the Patriots and the rest of these three teams is just magnificent. And one underrated thing that I forgot to mention uh, when we were talking about the Bills, if Josh Allen starts this year, we're going to get two games of him versus Bill Belichick. Like, that's amazing to think about. We, we, we certainly are. Like, he went from you know running around like a chicken with his head cut off at Wyoming last year to now playing against like one of the most sophisticated coaches in the history of the game. It's just, it's amazing how we, how we got here. And, and even just that little fact is just, it shows you how far the gap is between the Patriots and the rest of these teams. But what's the over yeah. on the Dolphins? Uh, six and a half. Ugh. I don't know. Like, where, where are you on that? I think that number's right, but, um, uh, under, I guess, like someone has to, someone has to go four and twelve and be the third overall pick, right? Yeah. So we'll and I, I think, I think like Buffalo, Miami, those are the teams that are most likely to do it. Yeah, it was a year early on my Dolphins four and twelve take. Dude, you said you were like, no, you didn't say four and twelve, you asshole. You were like two and twelve. You were like two, two and fourteen. You were like the line should be two wins, and I was like the lowest <laughs> a win total has ever been is like four and a half. Like, would you, would you? Can we put money on this? And you were like, "No, I'm just not going to put money on." And I'm like, "It's like seven, seven like wins off of what they're projected to do right now. Like, can we please put any sort of money on it?" And you were just too cowardice to say. Yeah, I love, I love being a coward and not sticking by my take because I just did it like five minutes ago in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but let's move on to the Patriots. They're really good. Uh, they should have a like a dominant passing game again. I don't know. Uh, okay, I think the the one interesting thing for the offense, and we've talked about it, is Dion. Like, how are you replacing Dion Lewis? Because uh, Sony Michelle, he hasn't really done anything yet. He's been banged up for. Well, he's banged up already. Yeah, he's, yeah. Been, he's been banged up for uh, most of the preseason, if not all of the preseason training camp. So I don't really know what to expect there. But he was a huge part of their offense, especially towards the end of the season. Yeah, this, the second half of the year, Deion Lewis led the league in rushing yards and attempts, I believe. So, it's not like Deion Lewis was a rotational back like everyone thinks he is. Like, he was a, he was as Bill Cowell as you possibly could be for the Patriots the second half of the year. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of interesting, thing, just thinking about Deion Lewis, going back to his days at Pitt, 
I mean, even as a freshman, I think he he had almost 400 carries. So it's not like this is a guy who hasn't who's shown who hasn't shown that he can do this before. It's just kind of he's small, so he gets that label. But he was absolutely a bell cow workhorse back for them that they really leaned on on their way to the Super Bowl. The one thing that I do worry about with this offense is who the vertical stretches, right? Because you can have Hogan, you can have Edelman. Um, who's the third guy there? I'm, I'm spacing out. Because it's not Patterson or Dorsett, I don't think. Uh, they just cut, they already cut Malcolm Mitchell, so you got Hogan, okay, Edelman. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, like, if Patterson or Dorsett aren't on the field as deep threats, can they still survive with Hogan and Edelman? Well, you still have the polar bear at tight end. That's true. That is very true. But he's not a vertical stretch guy. Like, I, I just don't understand, like, what uh, – like, like um, any sort of off-tempo, like, off-pace down a distance, right? So, like, second and nine or something like that. Why you wouldn't just play, like, soft zone, keep things ahead of you, make them complete a pass that's five yards or shorter against this team. Because they really can't take the top off of you unless it's Patterson or Dorsett going – deep and neither of those guys you know despite where they were drafted despite what they ran in the 40 time have ever been like that guy you know what i mean they've never had that season yeah i mean they they stink at it It, you know it's it's always funny when guys with like that one dominant trait speed they just cannot get open deep and i think that's always fascinating patterson's the funniest one too because patterson's like literally one kick return touchdown away from breaking um the record i think because he's like Basically, for his age, he is the best kick returner in the history of the sport. And, like, no one recognizes him as that at all. He doesn't get the, like, Devin Hester thing because he was drafted in the first round. So he's bust. Yeah. Did you see uh, did you see the touchdown he had against the Eagles last week? He pumped uh, Sidney, Sidney Jones, yeah, he, I think. He, he broke the hell out of him. And, you know, it, yeah. it, just, it just always blows my mind to see guys that big move that fast. So I'm like, why do you suck so bad? Like. <laughs> because yeah. you see like he he moves like julio jones and josh gordon do but yeah. he just he just can't do anything else but i, I think that this off i mean the offense is gonna be fine you know they I mean they got brady, brady will figure it out you can put, you can put money down on that so uh it, it's just more not, not that we're concerned about the offense just some questions going into the season like they still should be able to put up 30 on the team in their division with no problem uh as long as you got brady there uh, <laughs> you'll be fine on offense. Uh, it, it, it did kind of suck to see Isaiah win their first-round pick, tear his Achilles, because I thought he was going to be like a fun little project on you know 6-2 tackles, and that's going to be delayed a year. So uh, that kind of sucks for them. But on the flip side, on defense... Uh, Our sons. Our yeah. sons at defensive end. Claiborne, former Falcons. Claiborne and Derek Rivers. Yeah, they both been balling this preseason. Uh, Claiborne actually hurt Nick Foles on a sack where he just blew by whoever the second string tackle for the Eagles is. That I, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Big V, something like that. Uh, he blew by him. Derek Rivers has been having a strong preseason with a couple bull rushes. So, yeah, they finally got some semblance of an, a threat off the edge that they haven't had since Chandler Jones was Chandler. there. Chandler. Uh, yeah. So that's a, an intriguing thing for their defense and then – Obviously, you just got to get better secondary play than you did last year. And we'll see how much of that was Matt Patricia or how much of was that just guys just not being that good at their jobs. Who Who is even the Patriots defense coordinator right now? Do uh, we know? Yeah, it's Brian Flores, their linebacker coach. He's the one that's calling plays. Oh, he was the guy who – was he the guy who was getting interviewed 
for the yeah. Cardinals head coaching job. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's a guy who I literally never heard of until the Cardinals were like, we're going to make him head coach. I was like, what? He still has a, like, his title is still linebacker's coach, but he calls plays now. So uh, that's kind of weird that they won't just okay. give him the defensive coordinator mantle, but whatever, foot your boat, Bill. Uh, so, you, yeah, that'll be interesting, too, because you have a new face calling plays, and obviously Belichick will be involved in that in some capacity. But it's always interesting to me how, especially last year, the Patriots, they had this defense, and the year before, too, really, the past two years. In terms of yards, they really haven't been good at all. I mean, they've been atrocious, really. But they don't give up that many points. Like, I think in the past two years, they're 10th in, like, points per play and around the same for points per drive, even though they give up an absurd amount of yards. So it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues uh, this year. Yeah, I, I definitely – I don't think I ever published it, but I definitely did a study on, like, who who are, like, the most bend, don't break defenses. And, like, the Patriots were the only team that's, like, identity is, like, literally bend, don't break. Like, I do not care if you can get to the 40. Like, now do something with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that helps. Like, I think if someone really wanted to do something cool, they should do, like, an X and O study on the Patriots red zone defense. Like, that that would probably be a really good read if the right person did it. Um, might steal that. Um, so, yeah. over, under, ten and a half. Uh, over, just because their division is so weak. Yeah. I feel like the only way that hits under is if Brady goes down with an ACL or something. Right. And or, like, or like teams figure out that they can just, like, dominate these receivers if Gronk gets hurt or something, right? Like, if they just, like, play basically, like, man cover one or something like that when Gronk goes down. Um, so as long as Brady and Gronk are healthy, that should hit over pretty easily, I would think. Yep. Uh, so, AFC East, Patriots division. Next, we have the NFC East. Uh, if we're gonna start New York team. football giants. That's right. Uh, Saquon. You know, he looked good first carry of his career. He went like 35 yards against the Browns and uh, came out of the game pretty soon after that. And since then, I don't think we, we haven't seen him because he's been dealing with either a knee or a hamstring, something like that. But, uh, you know, it just on the surface, like if you look at just the skill players, Odell, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Saquon, like that's, that's a nice little foursome of guys you have and then you throw in the offensive line at Eli Manning and you get a little a little less excited about their capabilities for the year but still you know and, and then the fact that like Cody Latimer has to play outside receiver for Sterling Shepard for uh, Sterling Shepard to play inside and you're like hmm there might be flaws in the structure yeah yeah but <laughs> Odell and Saquon and Evan and Ingram and uh and Shepard that that's a that that is a fun group of players it's just how are great we gonna get the ball team. to them great flag football team yeah, once once the offensive line comes around, it's not going to be good because it's Flowers, Omame on the same side. I don't even know who's starting in center for him. Solder and Hernandez are fine on the left side, but the right side is just going to be not good. Just it's a disaster, honestly. Because they're talking about Chad Wheeler might take away Eric Flowers' reps. And Chad Wheeler was awful at USC for four straight years. Yeah. It, 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 see, this is another thing where you kind of get that offseason joy as a fan where you look at uh, Chad Wheeler, and just because he's not Eric Flowers, you get excited about him. But you know, he's... yeah, people are kind of excited about this Giants offense, like getting it turned around. And I'm like, well, Flowers is still starting. Omame isn't any good, and they just lost literally ninety million dollars in offensive line play. 
between their center and guard. I don't know. This it, could it, get worse. It's like this of, could easily get worse. And it's it's kind of funny. Like when you look at the the Justin Pugh loss, and you look at how he's been mauling dudes in Arizona so far as preseason. Mm-hmm. It's like mm, that one's kind of hurts a little bit, but. Uh, and Richburg isn't bad either. Right. I didn't think that Richburg at his peak, he's one of the better centers in his league. Like when he's healthy, so that one's yeah. going to sting too. I, you know, if if you had, if let's say the Giants have ponied up for Richburg and Pugh, and then you still put Will Hernandez in, in I guess you probably bail out on Solder. Then, you know, that's a really strong. That's fine. Intri- I, I would take players. that honestly. Yeah. Like trade trade out of the second pick and go find a tackle is a better option than picking a running back second or better yet just take a quarterback and a what appeared to be a really deep quarterback class with all the rookies showing out in the preseason so yeah uh hold on i'm about to ask you a question my roommates come in so just talk all right uh so what about the other side of the ball the other side of the ball what is there to talk about they signed connor barwin so he's probably going to be their number one pass rusher opposite of Olivier Vernon because Curry Martin isn't any good. And we knew this five, six years ago, probably. And the and the Giants still paid him. And then Alec Ogletree is just not doing well. Um, in coverage as a linebacker, I saw him getting shook a bunch. Um, on the defensive line, I really don't know what's really interesting there. I mean, Damon Harris... Harrison is solid. Snacks Harrison. Dalvin Tomlinson's been solid for the past couple of years, but I really don't know what the purpose of drafting a guy like B.J. Hill with a top 100 pick was when you already have a guy like Harrison, and the previous year you had already already spent a second round pick on a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson. So I really don't understand how their front seven is really built. Um, I guess they want to get back um, back in order in the secondary, but their front seven doesn't really make that much sense to me. Yeah, this the way that this team is constructed, it's just, you know, it, it almost feels like they want to make the switch to the 3-4 the or, you know, having two standing up edges, uh, but they didn't. I, but then why'd you get Kareem Martin? Kareem right, Martin right. isn't a guy who is a solid pass rusher and can drop in a coverage or rush after the passer. Like, he's a guy who you want on top of, like, a tight end in a three-point, in a four-point stance and just, like, holding that tight end. Right, it's kind of like they... they they just said, who has ever rushed the passer in their life? Okay, Kareem Martin, you've rushed the passer before. You're our end now. And, like, you have the familiar. <laughs> They're like, third, third round pick? Can't imagine why you hit free agency. All right. <laughs> Check the box. Yeah, it, it's just it's just weird. Like, they didn't assemble the personnel needed to get this thing going. And I think that, you know, outside of snacks, there's nothing in, in that first in that front seven that gets you excited, really. At least to me. Oh, wow, you need to you need to stop the Dalvin slander. Okay, Dal- outside of snacks and Dalvin. Okay, so two nose tackles. Like, I'm not. I'm it's still, okay. I'm they they spent a top 100 pick on a third defensive tackle. So and yeah, so you, this defense certainly makes sense. You got three nose tackles. We know one of them is like you know probably the best, just the best pure nose tackle in the game. Dalvin Thomason can play. So where's BJ Hill fit? Because like he doesn't scare you as a pass rusher in the slightest either. And then, the, you know, the Alec Ogletree stuff is just laughable. We've already seen that fail so many times. Now they're expanding his role in coverage. So I, I guess that they're still in the thought process of, oh, he played safety in college for, you know, two years. So he must be good at covering. And no, that's not the case. He's awful at it. Uh, and he, he just got roasted last week against uh, – I don't remember who they were playing, but he got whipped on 
on a route in space. It was it was like a Texas route, and he just like let it go for like thirty. Yep, five basically. Uh, so you you know how that's gonna go. I just I just don't like the whole the whole defense just does not seem to fit together, especially in the front seven. So I think that that's one thing to keep an eye on. Uh, but I just don't think this team team's that good. What's your over under for them? Uh, six and a half. Mm. They've actually been skyrocketing in Super Bowl odds after the draft, which is just crazy to me. But it has to be just people buying into like skill players. These guys are fantasy relevant, so I'm gonna pick them up, and that means that it's gonna be a Super Bowl team. Because this, to me, is like this is one of the worst teams in the NFC. Right, the NFC is loaded, but it's like the Giants, Tampa without Jameis Winston for the first three weeks of the year, Chicago and Arizona. Those four teams have zero point zero percent chance of making it into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. This this team is no good. I, but I do think like you could have a game where their skill guys on offense kind of get rolling. Like it, you know, like just that group of guys can make some noise within the course of the game, but I don't think it's going to be enough for them to get Buck and, and actually go on, like, a little playoff run or anything. I agree. Um, What's their – oh, we already said over-under. Six um, and a half. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go under just because I, I, I hate this defense and I hate the way it's constructed and I, I just think they're going to suck. Uh, what's, in, what's Who was after that? All righty, next team is Walton in your city. Oh yeah, my new city, Washington D.C. So Washington, like there, this is another team. Except on offense, I just don't really see. It, it's kind of hard for me. It's still kind of hard for me to visualize it, even though we've seen them play. How Alex Smith kind of fits in with this skill group? Like you have Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, and then Paul Richardson, a deep threat guy. Uh, that Darius guy's injury uh, is probably going to hurt them, but they didn't have him last year, so. It, you know, just kind of planning for this year. It's not the complete end of the world, especially because you're, you're going to get Chris Thompson back, who was essentially a receiver for them last year. But, you know, they still gave him carries out of the backfield occasionally. Um, it's just... It's just he, he, it was like a, he was a big-time draw guy for him. Like, he was a draw guy yeah. for him, basically. Uh, it's just kind of interesting to think about how this offense is pieced together and how Alex Smith fits into that offense. Yeah, um... Want to know one of the weirdest things? I just did a piece on the scouting on, like, basically reverse engineering fantasy projections to apply, like, NEA value, like we've done with with, um, with the update and stuff. And just basically projecting, like, okay, here are these people who project stats for a living, right? Let's apply this to what we know applies to quarterbacks in a way that correlates to winning football games. And Alex Smith is, like, top six. So... Like, in terms of efficiency, people are still projecting Alex Smith to be, like, a top-six quarterback this year. Um, yeah. Probably the top four last year. So that's kind of crazy to me. So he had a 100-plus pass rating last year, and they're basically expecting him to repeat that, which I don't know, man. He doesn't have he, he doesn't have Tyreek. Tyreek Hill means a lot. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, it, last season for Alex Smith, like, as, as – great as he was, it's an outlier season for him. Like he's never had that season in his career, in his life. Like it's, it's, it's kind of what you saw with, from Matt Ryan in 2016 to 2017. Like I don't, I'd be surprised if Alex Smith finishes the top six 
you know quarterback in terms of value this year uh just because just because I, I don't I don't think that's who he is and I think he benefited a lot from Tyreek Hill who's one of the best receivers in the game right now uh Paul Richardson like kind of brings the same thing to the table but he's not Tyreek Hill so uh you kind of have that like that doubt there it's almost like he's working with a lesser version of the same cast that he had in Kansas City yeah basically um when Kareem Hunt, like Kareem Hunt in Kansas City is probably the fourth most valuable skill player. And in Washington, he would be their best, right? Yeah. So I would say that that's a, that's a pretty stark difference between the teams. The only other thing that I will say about this offense, we were right on Chase Roulier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He can play. He can play. Uh, they're off in the line. six-round pick out of Wyoming. Like, I don't Hello. Yeah, you you, you broke up. Oh. You broke out for a second. Hello. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me now? You broke up. You broke up. Oh, okay. Uh, so you you went out like right when you were talking about uh, that Wyoming. Yeah. Army. Truly, our little six round pick. No. Um, basically, Wyoming also was like really weird way. Like he was a highlight reel as the offense. Are you cutting up? Uh, Hello. A little bit. All right. Just just keep talking. Okay. So you, you said you, <laughs> I don't even know what know what else to say. Let's go. God Hello? damn it! Why is he doing this now? Uh. Are you okay? Here's here's. <laughs> Are you still there? Yeah, I am. Oh, okay. You sound way clearer now. Uh, okay, so, I mean, I'm going to have to edit this pretty heavily, and I actually will. Uh, so, <laughs> you were on Chase Ruye? Ruye. Yeah. yeah. So Okay, so I was just about to say, uh, yeah, they're, they're all, I, I like their offensive line. You know, just when you look across the board, it's a pretty solid group with uh, what's Rui playing? Is he playing guard or center for them? I think he's going to play center for him because Louval, is that how you say his name is? Nah, I, I mean, that guy, I feel like that guy's been playing for Washington since like 1997 and I still have no idea. <laughs> his name. Yeah, I have no clue, but you're right. I mean, Scherf is really good. One of the best in the game. Trent Williams, one of the best in the game. Morgan Moses is a solid right tackle. He's getting paid like he's one of the best in the game. Ty Niski is coming off the bench. He's probably the best swing tackle in the sport right now. And then uh, Gary on Christian, who they just drafted in the third round, is like their fourth offensive tackle. So they certainly are spending tons of value on the offensive line and, like, trying to solidify it. Yeah. Uh, so you, you got two elite players, another ascending player, and then Morgan Moses is solid in his own right, like you said. But I'm, I'm intrigued by their defensive line just because Jim Tomsula, he got a lot of crap for being kind of a bozo head coach but as a defensive line coach like he's really really good at this yeah i mean some people are some people are good at teaching violence and are should not be ceos like i think that's what we learned with the jim tonsula uh like experiment did you see where he was talking about what his key to like drinking um drinking like pbr is no oh oh, oh yeah he's he like he was like add salt 
I've never tried that before. I was going to try it, but then I, I just completely forgot. Dog, have you had tahini? No. You got to do it. It'll change your life. I promise. Like, it doesn't sound like smart to put chili powder and, like, lemon and, like, salt in your drink, but it, it fixes everything. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try. Uh, tahini, you got to take a picture of it this week because I know you drink enough. How, how much? Uh, <laughs> how how much? How, how much salt or like or just a pinch? Absolutely not. You gotta kind of douse it. You'll be fine. I promise. Okay. All right. This is why my people like die of like kidney failure and stuff like that. But <laughs> it's good. Uh, okay. Like the rest of their defense, though. Anything of note here outside of Josh Norman, really? Um, they cut Scandrick, right? Which is kind of a weird move because yeah. that means that they're probably super confident in one of their young cornerbacks. But outside of Josh Norman, I really don't have faith in any of these cornerbacks. So I guess moving forward, like to see what their plan is for um, the contingency plan for releasing Skandrick is going to be interesting moving forward. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think that that secondary could be a weak spot for them just because like, you're losing Kendall Fuller and uh Bashar Breland which is kind of like that's two pretty solid losses just in terms of like pure cornerback play I know like it didn't always work out for them having a constructive pass defense but that's two pretty but I mean you could you could look at you could look at teams like Dallas like between 2016 and 2017 and see how much defensive depth actually means you know what I mean like, your, your fourth guy having to step up and be that second guy, even if that second and third guy, you know, were slightly below average, that can completely change what your defense looks like. Like, your depth not being there can be catastrophic. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that that's a spot that could be headed. But, you know, it, it does help that they have a lot of depth up front. I mean, John Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Inundatis, Preston Smith, Ryan Kerrigan. Like, that's, some, that's a group of guys that can really, really cause some havoc when they're on their game. So uh, I mean, I'm excited to watch them just because, you know, like we said, Tom Sula is really good at teaching guys how to be violent and how to develop defensive line. So I, I'm, I'm excited to watch that team kind of grow throughout the season. But right now it just kind of feels like most Washington teams where you have some names and a lot of it doesn't appear to fit together on the surface, but it'll be entertaining to see how it does throughout the season. Yeah, and I think the weird thing about this team, too, is kind of like worst-case scenario in terms of injuries happened last year, and they went 7-9. and nine. So, like, how much worse can they actually get? And I know we, that's the kind of logic that, like, Houston fans used, like, last year, right, that we kind of hated, where we were like, no, your team is, like, absolutely 100% going to regress and actually can get worse from here. Um, and it probably should be worse from here because you were overinflated last year. But the Redskins were a team that were really competitive games in games, actually. Um, and they basically... You know, they, they played out through their injuries and were, like, played to the expectations of, like, what we would assume for, like, regression, right? And they were still, like, 7-9. and nine. So I would think that it's ticking up a little bit for them. But in the NFC, I mean, they, they could be – in the AFC, they'd be a wild card team. In the NFC, they basically don't have much of a shot in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, so what's the over-under on this team? Seven and a half. Oof. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll go over on that. I'll go over two just because someone in the NFC has to just completely implode. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, just looking on paper, they have 
like they have the talent to go eight and eight for sure. It's just you know moving past that into like the playoff realm is is I think where the question lies for them. Uh, but next team, the Dallas Cowboys. This team is like they're 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 interesting because like they're in the same boat as kind of Washington, where you look at it and it's like, how does this all fit together? Strong offensive line. I think Dak's 2017 season got way more flack than what actually happened to him. Uh, I still think he's very, very much the Cowboys quarterback for the future, long-term option. Uh, It just, you know, the whole season just kind of fell apart for them in the back half last year. Uh, But he's got... His, his offensive line is healthy now. They added Connor Williams at left guard. The big transition, obviously, is going to be you know who kind of emerges as the number one threat for them. Maybe Dak is a guy who doesn't really need a, a true number one threat. So I'm I'm real interested to see like how the passing targets kind of distribute themselves throughout the season. Yeah, they have the Mountain West best wide receivers playing with Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams. So. And Jeff Swain is, like, starting at tight end for him. So that's going to be a really weird situation for uh, that offense. So I, I really don't know what to think about him. Um, Connor Williams is getting his ass kicked right now, the yeah. left guard, the second-round pick out of Texas. Um, he's transitioning from left tackle to guard, and he really didn't even look like the same type of a tackle that he was um, the year before in 2016. He was dealing with the injury 2017. Um so that's an interesting thing to point moving forward because if they're not really sturdy on the offensive line and Con Williams ends up becoming an issue, um, that's just not good. Like, just period. Like, maybe kick Lyle out to guard and then him out to tackle. Like, that might be a better fit for both of their styles of play, honestly. Um, but if Con Williams is just kind of a bust at guard, that's not going to be good. Uh. Yeah, yeah, you're right, because I, I, I've watched a handful of Dallas's offense for the preseason, and especially against, you know, Geno Atkins and DeForest Buckner, he's kind of getting his ass handed to him against those guys. Uh, and, he, and, you know, he really just, he hasn't looked great, but I, I kind of think that he'll he'll settle in at some point during the season, but so far, the... Uh, the for sure, he's also like 21. Right. right. <laughs> like he's, he's 21 going against grown-ass men who are the best in the world, so... Right, and not even, like, Geno Atkins is, like, the tippity-tippity top of the best in the world. So it's, it's not it's not surprising that Geno is just kind of handing his ass to him. But I, I'm I just, I'm really just fascinated with the receiver reps there, like, just how, how it all plays out. And then on defense, it, it, I see Cowboys fans getting excited about this defense's potential, and I don't understand it. Like, how much does Leighton Van Der Esch help them today? Um... Not much, especially if they're in nickel. <laughs> like, if they're if they're in nickel, then it doesn't really help them that much at all because Sean Lee and Jalen Smith should be on the field. And if you have all three of them on the field, that means one of them is probably on, like, a slot receiver, which not great. Right, and it doesn't make sense because, like, you're – so right now the way that Dallas's linebacker core is going to play out, like, obviously Sean Lee is going to be entrenched as a starter. As, as, whenever he's on the field and healthy, he's going to be entrenched as a starter. Uh, and now you have Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch kind of playing roles, like role linebackers, I guess. But you've spent a first-round pick and a second-round pick on, like, role-playing linebackers for your defense. And then, like, when you when you look at that, you kind of see where you were, you're kind of talent-deficient everywhere else. Like, their defensive line does not scare me. 
in the slightest. And I think that Byron Jones, like this move back to cornerback will help him. But even then, you know, what what about this defense is supposed to like get you really excited and maybe scare opponents? I don't really know. And the other thing too is like Demarcus Lawrence had a lot of sacks last year. I'm not sure I would say that he's like going into this year, I project him to be a top 10 pass rusher, right? It's kind of like the same situation as Vic Beasley the year before, where I was like, you led the NFL in sacks, but to some extent, sacks don't really paint the entire picture of what pass rushers are. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, for sure. So, so if, he, if he regresses there, like, what were we really, like, we're hanging our hat on, like, Xavier Woods? <laughs> Which, like, I like Xavier Woods. I think he was a really smart pick. Um, but, he just got hurt. goddamn. Did he? Did he actually? You're talking about the safety, Oof. right? Yeah. Yeah. The dude out of like Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, he got hurt the other day. I don't know the extent of it, but he he did just get hurt Re- in practice. Rest in peace. He he also played at uh, Louisiana Tech, not Middle Tennessee. Yeah, it's blue. It's, uh, <laughs> it's they're both blue. It's blue, and no one watches them until <laughs> April. So, I. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and like on the defensive line, I think Malik Collins. You know, he's a solid player. But he he doesn't. He's risky though. That's the thing about him is like he's he can he, he'll get those penetration plays, but he'll also end up two gaps away from where he should be at the same time. Right, right. So like you know, it's kind of it's it's a little shaky there. So and then unless you're expecting a big season from Taco Charlton, like that nope. paired with the Demarcus Lawrence like natural regression, I'm just not really seeing it on defense for this team. Uh, so it's going to be up. To the offense, to me, it's going to be up to the offense again to kind of will this team towards the playoff. But I, th- I think that Dak is really, really, really fucking good still. Uh, the offensive line is going to be good, even with Connor Williams like growing pain. So, you know, I, I, this and obviously Ezekiel Elliott, if he's not fat, and <laughs> we just called someone else fat on the show again today. Because <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott, I think when you watch him, especially against that game against the Cardinals last year. He is way out of shape. There was I remember there's one play where the they busted the they were running a duo play in the middle of the field, the middle of the line was just wide open. And you remember like Zeke's rookie year when he hit that second level, that burst was there for him to kind of accelerate past guys in the third. When he got there this year, it was just I mean he got there last year, he was like plotting out there. So hopefully he's he's playing himself in the shape because there's no suspension looming. Uh, anywhere, but you know, you, you still got Dak Zeke, the offensive line. That should be enough to at least get you teetering towards playoff contention. Yeah, I think we talked about it at the time too. But Zeke definitely was a guy who, like, he was like six weeks suspension. All right, I'll get my body ready by week seven. And then they were like, nope, not suspension. Now you're like, you have to be ready in like two weeks. And they like teeter tottered between that a bunch and just did not look like he was ever prepared conditioning or otherwise to be ready for like an NFL season that started week one. Yep. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't blame him because the same thing probably would have happened to you and me, you know, the, the suspension kind of gets, you know, jumbled around. You think you're going to play yourself in this shape or you're going to work out while you're suspended and it just never worked out for me. Kind of struggled last year, but I, I think that everyone kind of realizes that that was a, a bit of a different situation and you should be fine going into this year. So what's the over under for this team? Eight. Eight? Uh, I'll, I'll push that. Same. Um, where are we? We're going AFC no. North? Did you forget? Clean. The Super Bowl champion? Oh, Eagles? my bad. Physis, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you can say that again now. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the Eagles, they're good. Like they're yep. really, really good. And this is like by far. I think. I mean, this is clear cut best team in the division. They don't really have any holes to me. Uh, they're, I mean, maybe their weakest position is receiver. Linebacker. Li- oh, linebacker. Oh, linebacker. Okay, but who cares? Who cares? Like when it doesn't matter when you have you know probably the best defensive line in the sport plus uh, pretty good safety play and like the corners are, are going to be solid too. So man, I I I really find like it, it's hard to think about what could derail this team's season unless you know Wentz gets hurt again or, or Foles turns back into Foles, which he absolutely did against the Patriots last year. But even if he, even if they do, like, from a fan perspective, you just won the Super Bowl. Who cares? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really see any team in this division even sniffing the Eagles when you look at overall talent. No, I don't either. And the same thing, too, is what you were talking about with, like, the linebackers and, like, how you can't even really test those linebackers with the defensive line play that they have right now where, like, Haloti Nada is probably their – seventh best maybe seventh best defensive defensive lineman in general um last year's eagles if you look at the splits for what teams did in short yardage they were the only team that really teams didn't run against in like two yards one yard to go inches to go teams basically had were forced to pass in those situations because of how dominant those defensive line that defensive line was so I think that's really important moving forward, and it's probably smart of them to say, "Hey, we could probably cut on corners, uh, cut corners on linebackers right now when we're pressed against the cap." Yeah, and I thought it was also cool, like to get Haloti Nada as what your third defensive tackle. I mean, obviously you don't you don't want him being yeah. lead off anymore, but getting him as your third defensive tackle, I think that's probably an upgrade over Bo Allen. Then obviously, you know, you you got Michael Bennett for a goddamn fifth round pick, which is just stupid when you think about it. Like, the Seahawks. They they traded a punter for for Michael Bennett, for Michael Bennett. which is yes sir. Uh, they did. That's my that's my favorite fact. That's my favorite fact of the draft. I think wow. is that they straight up traded Michael Bennett for a punter. That's it's so dumb in draft picks. The draft really should be four rounds, man. It really should be. Yeah, teams could cut off on mistakes. You get more guys entering free agency. You you get more team more guys be able to pick where they want to go. They're not ending up in crappy situations. Uh, you get teams kind of holding on to some of these veterans because they have less tradable assets. You know, just more common sense for everyone around. And you're not trading one of the best defensive linemen in the past seven or eight years for a goddamn punter. Uh, I don't care how far you can kick the ball or how sweet his accent is. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, so what's the over-under for this team? Like, there's not much more to say. They're just super-duper complete. They should maul people on both sides of the ball. And... They have Wentz, who is one of the like top ascending quarterback talents in the game. Uh, ten, which is very high for win totals. People don't understand. People fundamentally do not understand what win totals do. I'm gonna and create like fifty fifty. I'm gonna go so, push push on that ten. Yeah, same. Um, the NFC is super competitive, and they have to play all the one seeds, and all the one seeds are still good. The Rams are still good. The Saints are still good. Um, they opened up against the Falcons. The Vikings, the Vikings are still good. So, yeah. They opened up against the Falcons week one. And, you know, depending on what happens, you know, Nick Foles could be starting that game. And he didn't play well against the Falcons last time. The Falcons kind of falconed that one up. Uh, so, and obviously, like, we saw what he did against the Patriots last week where it was just a complete disaster for him. So, I, I think Nick Foles is probably regressing back into 
back into who we thought he was. Uh, and, you, you know, it's just a really, really brutal schedule. So even with a team that, that's this good, you're, you're just going to have some slip-ups because you're playing a really, really talented schedule. Uh, but push 10, that gets you to be the best team in the NFC East. The next team, we're on the AFC North now. So we're going to start worst to first from last year's results. The Cleveland Browns, who have won one game. <laughs> it's that's, that's like my favorite stat ever. And it, it, it kind of makes me sad that we're probably going to see it change this year. But really, for as long as they keep losing, we're just going to have to keep adding onto that. You know, it's going to go to 1-32, 33, 34, like however long it takes. We're holding on to that one-win joke for a long time. And, and who did they beat in that one game? The San Diego Superchargers. And that... Yeah. Yep, a game where the Chargers had nine sacks against the Robert Griffin leg. <laughs> <laughs> they had nine sacks against RG three and the Cleveland Browns, and they lost. Like, you know that that's yeah. that, that's you know the peak Chargers football. But this team, it's kind of like the the Jets, where all of a sudden you have two viable quarterback options. I mean, Tyrod's looked pretty good in the preseason. Baker's has moments where he's looked good. Uh, obviously, you know the team has been adamant about Tyrod Taylor being the starting guy. Moving forward, uh, but on offense, Josh Gordon just came back. You got Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway. Like that's a pretty good trio of receivers to start off with. Uh, the offensive line should be serviceable. You know they struggled versus uh, the Giants in their first game, but they came back with a strong game against the Bills last week. You got Nick Chubb, uh, Carlos Hyde, and Duke Johnson. Like that offense, it could be top ten with Todd Haley pulling the strings. Okay, you said it. It could be. <laughs> I'm I'm the one who put money on the Browns over already. For like two two months ago, I put money on the Browns over, and you're talking about them being a top ten offense. I'm not even sure, but it could be. You're right. It could be. Just like, um, just like what will be interesting to me is like Joel Batonio playing left tackle now. That's something that I'm really interested in watching. Yeah, because that's something that he hasn't done it since college. So, uh, you know, Hugh Hugh Jackson seems to have. A ton of confidence in Petonio holding down that left tackle spot, but we all know his word doesn't mean anything. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the rest of it is really just when does Baker come in, if at all, this year? Just because. I, I don't think he's going to. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't gotten any reps with the first teams so far, which I think is kind of crazy. Like, well, like, Tyron has to, like, lose a uh, starting job, right? Like, Tyrod. It, for for okay, so like let's talk about like when he lost the starting job in Buffalo, right? And people were like, "Why would you do this?" And it's like very hard to point out wow. Tyrod Taylor failing. You know what I mean? Because he's so he doesn't really throw interceptions like that, right? He's not really like a risky quarterback, so it's hard to imagine a position where Tyrod Taylor, with all this talent around him, actually loses a starting job. You know, at least in, like in season. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, just when you look at when you look at how he plays, it's just uh, it, it's just conducive to at least being competitive. You know, you're gonna pick up third downs with his legs, and he's not gonna turn the ball over, and you might have casually hit a deep ball. Like, I don't really get why people get so upset with that as a skill set because a lot of quarterbacks don't even offer that much. So. He'll be fine just because I don't. I don't think that his style of play is conducive for him to fail or, or lose his job because he's he, like you said he's just not going to turn the ball over that much. So even just the fact that he's not going to turn the ball over 
is going to be a massive improvement over what they had last year, uh, with, you know, where they just did not have a passing game whatsoever. So I, I think that, you know, just seeing how Tyra kind of fits in with Todd Haley is going to be fun to watch and fun to see. And obviously you have the Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry factor kind of playing off each other. But the defense, I mean, it's just hilarious. Like, <laughs> every day it feels like we're laughing at something that Greg Williams has done previously. The slot blitz from, like, trips, right? It was it was an empty look, right? Yeah. And on the trip the trip side, the, the slot receiver on the number two, right? Anyone who's talked about football knows what I'm talking about. The number two blitzed. And they expected a safety who was, like, the 30, I don't know. 30s? Oh, like, from the distance, probably, like, 35, 40, something like that. Like, <laughs> from, like, measured from where the slot receiver was to where the safety is to pick him up in man coverage and empty. And it's empty. Like, you know this is – the ball's going to come out quick. Like, this is exactly how – like, there are no long-developing empty plays because of the fact that you only have five guys in protection. And, like, they're just still doing shit like that. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is a dumbass. Like, this guy is just never going to learn. It's so funny because – Like, why, why – so, like, let's talk about this. Why would you not send the guy over the three on a blitz instead of the two? I don't and know, cut I down that distance by, I don't know, 20 yards. And, and then you have the linebacker who can also pick that guy up if you yeah. need to. But when you, right, when you blitz off number two, it's just like a logistics thing of do you realize how far you're making your guys have to travel to pick up a receiver? And then you on, on top of that, you have your safety playing so deep. He's literally got to run the length of almost half the field just to cover this guy. And it doesn't make sense. Like <laughs> I think my favorite screenshot, though <laughs> – was when it was third and eighteen, and you literally could not see a single oh linebacker, not, not a single linebacker or defensive back for the Browns on the field, or the third and ten when you had them lined up. Were, were they dropped? <laughs> they were lined up. They were lined up at the six, and then they saw a pass, and they dropped and gave like three yards, and then a pass got thrown oh, a yard in front of them, and they're like, "Oh shit, that didn't work." Like you're covering your. You're selling out on covering 12 yards deep, 13 yards deep on a third and 10. Third and 10. Jesus Christ, <laughs> it, dude. It's, it's third and 10, and not, literally not one player is in front of the third down mark, or in front of the first down marker. So, like, the running back just caught it, and he had a pretty easy uh, four yards after the catch, and it was a first down. It's just amazing to see the schematical errors in – like, why draft Denzel Ward for overall if that's if you're, if you're just going to play off like that? Like, what's the point? Uh, do do off do uh, front offices and coaching staffs have to be in line? I guess not. I I, I don't think so. I think we've say, seen it fail so often that we could just say that like what they're doing is completely independent of each other. Yeah, uh, and it's just it's just amazing to watch Greg Williams call defense just because he acts like he just doesn't care what anyone has to think and then he comes out and plays like all these super soft zones where he'll blitz and leave guys in the zone like 50 yards off the ball and so they just get destroyed by screen games it's just it's it's amazing to watch and like when you when you look at the browns roster just from top to bottom you could convince i like i see if you just look at the names of the players I see how you could convince yourself this team could go seven and nine or nine and seven, like in that range. But then you watch Hard Knocks and you watch Hugh Jackson and Tyrod Taylor is telling Hugh Jackson what to do, and Greg Williams is getting 
is it Greg Williams is barking back at Todd Haley because Todd Haley doesn't want people to hit the quarterback in practice. <laughs> like, not hitting the quarterback in practice is something you learn in, like, Pop Warner. Middle school, yeah. So, you know, like, it's just... It's Especially when, at that level when they're literally wearing a different jersey. Right? Like, you can see yeah. him. You're on a field with brown and white jerseys, and there's one guy wearing red, okay? So... You should you should be able to dodge him. Uh, also, just like guys like Carl Nassib just opening their mouths and just being like, hmm, I feel like if you get me in a room with this guy, I could scam him out of thousands of dollars. Like, oh, yeah, Carl Nassib. Maybe, maybe they don't have the best awareness on the team. You know what I mean? Carl Nassib is just – he's like not even a real person when it comes to – he's just saying like, oh, you yeah, you put your money in the bank and then they'll give you 10% of that money every single year. Like, where, 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 where is his bank? He's getting scammed by some financial advisor by oh, yeah. by tens of thousands of dollars a year. I promise you. Oh yeah, he's absolutely gotten got before. If uh, you if you were his agent, would you be sweating bullets when you saw him talk about money like that? Dude, yeah, I'd be thinking about dropping him. Like, <laughs> 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 we're gonna get through this rookie contract, and then we're gonna go our separate ways. Uh, Smart. So what what's the over under for them? Is it five? Five and a half. Mm, I think five and eleven sounds right for this game. So I'm gonna go under, like just barely. I'm gonna go over. Um, I wrote a piece for Optimus Scouting about close game regression and stuff, and how the Browns surprisingly were unlucky in their 0 and 16 stretch, and they weren't actually unlucky in their Dude. 1 and 15 stretch. So they actually like the numbers that matter. They were actually a better team last year than they were the year before. Yeah. Um, but don't do not let Facts get in the way of making fun of 0-16. So oh, yeah. it, it's, just, assume, it's, just assume a positive regression and just move forward. It's I'm I'm gonna tease like so at, at SB Nation we're working on our working on the team previews and, and feature preview stuff. So Bill C, uh, one of our fave, the god, the god. So he he pretty much has like a bunch of advanced numbers based on what the Browns did, like what, what every team did in 2017, like just like, success rate and shit like that. And the Browns, they were good. They were, like, at least above average at everything that didn't involve a quarterback. So, you know. Dude, even, even then, like, we talked about it, like, during the season where the Browns, like, outside outside the red zone, they weren't even a bad passing team. It was just they would get in the red zone and they would just be catastrophic, which is kind of what I was talking about with the Bills, right? Where we were talking about how, you know, basically conversion rate – in the in the red zone is so important that you really don't want to be risky in that area, and that like if Josh Allen keeps playing the way he is, he might have a Deshaun Kaiser type season where he's just puking interceptions in the red zone. Yeah, I. Uh, so. Yeah, what's the what's the uh, next team? Uh, I think it would be the. Bengals. It has to be the Bengals because the Ravens were in playoff contention up until that week 17 game. Yeah, when uh, the Bengals kind of got when the Bengals got them got. Tyler Boyd ruined the season. I don't know what to do with the Bengals either. Just because they've made a lot of changes, but are they good? No. So I, 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 still, I still kind of respect their defense. So like their defensive line is solid, and 
I think you know the Georgia Loka release was kind of weird just because he's played so much. For yeah, him. I was I was I was about to say I was like Georgia Loka kind of does a little bit of everything for him, and Sean Williams and Jesse Bates doesn't really do it for me. So and I, I think we'll that, see. I mean, they they have cornerback depth because they spend all these first round picks on cornerbacks, but we'll see if they can keep it up on the secondary. I think Aloka was their highest snap defender over the past five years. So, like, you're losing a lot of experience back there. Uh, but I think Sean Williams has been solid in, you know, the limited game tape that he's played and Jesse Bates. Obviously, they feel good about them. Or I can't tell if this is another situation where the Bengals are being cheap for no real reason. Uh, but I, I still do like their defense. You know, like, I, I, like their defensive line is, is going to be good. Just because, you know, Geno, Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, Carl Lawson, that's a really good But the thing is, like, have you seen how Lawson is rotating into games? No, I, I haven't really paid attention to their defense. That's like, they're still tre- they'll st- they are still treating him like a fourth defensive end. Fourth, fifth defensive end with Jordan Willis and Sam Hubbard now. So, yeah, like, Carl Lawson is clearly good, but he's like a third stringer to him. So, Marvin... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they're doing there. Yeah. They're just, like, really sold on, like, lengthy defensive ends, and they hate small defensive ends. So, like, Carl Lawson is just, like, a really good player and a really bad – not even a bad fit because he can play when they're letting him. It's just, like, a stubborn fit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just when you, you – I, I don't know. I just kind of look at those three guys and when it comes to passing downs, like they're gonna rush a lot. I feel I feel like they're gonna kinda of come to their senses on Carl Lawson just being someone that they should be having on the field. Like even if he's not you know, I, I think his number's a little bit inflated because he he went against whoever the Packers tackle was for that game. Uh but he, still he's someone that should be on the field for them for third down. And then you look at William Jackson who looks like he's ready to be, you know, one of these next shutdown corners in the NFL. So I you know, I like their defense. Their offense is just do Billy Price and Cordy Glenn hit? Because if so, then you have something you can work with. If not, it's probably going to be another another long season for them. Yeah, it'll be complete. If Cordy Glenn isn't a good guy for them, they might need three, four new offensive linemen next year. Like a need, like they will have a need at those spots. So, not great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, after that, is there anything left to say? About the Bengals? I mean, this is another team. They're kind of like the Dolphins. Nope. Where there's just I'm, I'm good with not spending mental energy on this team this right. year. I will say, uh, free money special. Uh, Marvin Lewis is something like 3-11 and 11 in week three preseason games. Like, he just does not get his team ready for these games. So, fade, fade him this week. Okay, yeah. There's your preseason gambling advice. Uh, so, over under for the Bengals? Seven and a half. Uh, I'm going to go under. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Uh, so, next team, Baltimore Ravens. It's kind of like the same spiel as last year. Great defense, I think. You know, if everyone can stay healthy, they should be one of the best defenses. Super, super deep. Super deep. They have guys who are third stringers who might contend to be starters for other teams. Yep. Uh, super duper deep. Uh, I, 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 you know, you see Tim Williams, he's kind of coming along a little bit in the preseason. I have. It's him. It's Rivers. It's um, Reggie Gilbert. There's a couple of my guys who are standing out a little bit. Harold Landry looks like he should have been a ten pick. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, big surprise there. You just have like a, a super duper freaky athlete at defensive end, and wow, he's 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 dumping on these preseason guards. <laughs> wow, insane that this guy who literally led 
the, the NCAA in tackles and ta- tackles for loss and uh, sacks, and was super athletic and did it all in a Power Five conference. And ends up being a good NFL player. Yeah, and, and it's like, the person. thing is, his injury wasn't even that big a deal. It's like just a little ankle sprain, right? Like yeah, I mean, well, the Virginia Tech game was hilarious because he got three sacks in the Tech game. And, like, after the third sack, he walked to the sideline, and you could just see a, a trainer just, like, using an entire roll of tape around his ankle. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously not surprising that he's good. Uh, yeah, the Ravens, their defense is deep. Uh, but we all know that. Like, the thing that people only care about the Ravens is when does Lamar Jackson play? And, you know, yeah. based on the preseason, not soon, and Joe Flacco came out against the Rams and looked pretty decent. But, you know, it's just kind of hard for me to buy into a rejuvenated Joe Flacco because this is who we've been since they won that Super Bowl. Like, just a guy who's not going to – he he just doesn't do anything well. Yeah. Um, Lamar has been looking rough, though. Like, a little bit rough. Yeah. That's kind of been surprising to me. And they're not really – it doesn't seem like they're in any hurry to move him up the depth chart, too. So I would assume that, like, Flacco would have to have, I guess, like, a year like last year, right? Like, really, really, really bad. Like, one of the most costly quarterbacks in the league um, for Lamar to even have a shot to start by the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, look, if, if Flacco does play like that, which wouldn't be out of the question, where this passing game just kind of falters – you know, you might want to give him a chance just to see if he could provide a little spark. But regardless, Lamar's going to play some this year because they seem best. They they just seem dedicated to this two QB idea, though. I don't know how much I really. Why stop there? Go go three QB. Add Robert Griffin into it. Who's going to stop you? Look. All right, here here. Let's talk about this. Are Lamar Jackson? Or no no no, not Lamar Jackson because obviously yes. But is RG three? a top-five playmaker on the Ravens' offense. Wow, okay. Alex Collins. Who? Um, Alex Collins? Oh, Alex Collins. I think you said Collins. Yeah. Like, who the hell is no, 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 no. I'm trying to think of who, who is even on their offense that I would think of. So, Alex Collins, Lamar would be. Yeah. Um, Michael Crabtree. <laughs> like, it's John Brown, Michael <laughs> Crabtree, and then RG3. Like, <laughs> this team... Yeah. Like, their supporting cast still sucks, man. It's it's not good. Uh, uh, Pat, Patrick Richard, the defensive tackle who's playing fullback, he's the funnest fullback to watch in the league. Dude, yeah, and um, he he can actually like body some of these backup offensive linemen. You know, like that's also one of my favorite yeah. things about him. Like, he'll, yeah, he's he's crazy. He, he if you watch him in the preseason, he literally knocks the shit out of like second string defensive tackles. Yeah, and I mean he he he'll never play on defense in the regular season just because. You have Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce. Like, you know, that's fair. They're, those guys are re- both really good. Uh, but he's he's awesome to watch the preseason for sure. But just like when you start breaking down this Ravens offense, I, I could kind of see it getting to a point like if Flacco gives you the same stuff he does last year, you're really starved for somebody who can make a play on their own. So, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of spitballing ideas out there that, comes with watching Joe Flacco play as little football as possible, but I think we're going to be stuck with for the most part. I think so, too. Um, as as Bashadi said, pray for us. Pray for right? us. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, over-under for the Ravens? Eight. Eight? 
Uh, I, man, I really like their defense. Uh, and not looking at their schedule, I'm probably gonna say push on that. Yeah, I think I think that road is a little bit harder this year. I think teams like Los Angeles and Jacksonville kind of showing that they're not awful anymore. Um, kind of first them in the AFC race. I think they go to Atlanta as well. Oh, they they play the NFC South this year. And I know they play yeah, that's not fun. Playing the NFC South is not good, not ideal right now. Yeah, that's a strong division plus the Bucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna go push on that, which leaves us with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, sir. This team is like the same exact team as last year, right? Like they they have two more safeties this year. They've spent a lot of money and assets on two more safeties this year. I didn't really watch Terrell Edmonds. I okay, not really. I didn't watch. Buddy, Terrell you you should watch Terrell Edmonds against Packers and see how many times he gets spotted. He uh, looks like a mark. So the, the safety. I feel like the Steelers. They just have all these safeties that can't really cover anybody. They have they have three strong safeties right now who can't cover like basically are bad matchups and cannot also not cover as a free safety. So I really have no idea what they're doing there at all. Yeah. It was what we said at the draft where we were like, why'd you get like why'd you pay Morgan Burnett if you still had Sean Davis as now what is he a third year second round pick? Yeah. And then you like, also spent a first round pick on Terrell Edmonds who no one thought was going to go in the first round. Not one person thought Terrell Edmonds was going in the first round. Yeah, that was that was pretty bizarre. And I, I I didn't watch Terrell Edmonds, but just from what people say about him, I I don't get the fit there really. And I haven't watched the Steelers defense in the preseason at all, so I, I can't claim to have a take on that. But it, it it just seemed like a really weird construction of your defense. But you know, on up front, they're going to be fine just because they got Cam Hayward, Javon Hager, uh, Javon Hargrave, uh, Stephon Tuitt, T.J. Watt should be better. But Dupree is he's okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I think just like just based off having two and Hayward, you'll be fine up front. I, I don't know. I don't know if Bud Dupree is okay. We 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 can be honest here. Okay. I was a big I was a big Bud Dupree guy, I, 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 and I, know, I, I don't I don't think he's okay. Yeah, he stinks. He stinks, and you know he looks like the same player Kentucky, where he's athletic, but he just has no idea what the hell's going on out there. He's just totally lost. Um, I'm gonna send you. This is what we're gonna do: is live reaction. I just sent you a tweet where Jimmy Graham dunks on Terrell Edmonds, and I want you to react to it. On air. Okay. I, said, I, I texted you. I see. Uh, I'm watching it. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, this is on Terrell Edmonds? I saw that. Yeah. Oh, God. See, he's wearing 34. <laughs> he's wearing 34. That's a weak-ass DB number. Uh, unless your name is Brian Poole, my good friend for the Falcons. Uh, but, yeah, that, that looks like somebody who doesn't know how to play coverage in space. Yep. Well, I mean, first round pick. So yeah, that that thing is that that's worrying to me that they spent basically big money, big assets on three different strong safeties, none of which can really cover. Morgan Burnett basically was a linebacker for the Packers last year. So yeah, it, it's really weird the way they just want to put that defense together. Uh, offense, what does it say? Like you got a great offensive line and a great passing game. Gonna be Bell's going to have to show up for work at some point, right? I don't think he has still. <laughs> yeah, Which means James Conner is starting. And yeah, then yeah. you have – if James Conner goes down, you have a, something named a Fitzgerald Toussaint. Uh, I think he played in Notre Dame, I want to say. Back in that sounds game. like – his name has Saint in it, so that makes yeah. sense. Uh, but, man, yeah, that, if Le'Veon doesn't play 
mean, James, wrong. James, Michigan. What do you say? Oh, Michigan, same thing. Michigan. Uh, if Le'Veon, I mean, Le'Veon, I think he's going to come back before the season starts. But if he plays like he did last year, like, I don't, <laughs> and this just sucks how you fucking trapped me into this take. Like, he just, he's just not efficient with the ball in his hand anymore. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> we converted you. We got to get, we got to go the one step further where it's Ty Montgomery is 0.1 yards per carry more efficient Le'Veon Bell on positive running plays. Is that, that's just where I need to get you on the take where you slandered my ass without okay. giving full context of this. Ty and Montgomery it's true and consistent. Ty Montgomery sucks too though. So like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I agree. I best believe I'm very worried about Jamal Williams going down while Aaron Jones is suspended. Oh yeah. Forget about that suspension. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, Ty, Ty Montgomery is bad. Le'Veon just, the, the efficiency is just not there anymore. Uh, and last year, like, last year was, in terms of, like, how, how efficient they were running the ball, they just, it wasn't there for them at all. And No, uh, I mean, ben, ben had a ridiculous year passing the ball. Yeah, he did. And like, it, that's, that's why they won games, and they probably – um, in terms of like teams who are like lucky in that they won a bunch of close games, it's Pittsburgh and Carolina, right? Like those are the two teams who, on paper, should regress in, turn, in the wins column this year. Yep. Uh, so, like, okay, so with that regression, what 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 do you have their win over under at? Um. So I the way I projected it was I projected nine and a half. Okay. Uh, I, I I think they hit ten. I think they hit 10 wins. It wouldn't surprise me, but uh, if Ben goes down, man. Like, I, I wish I, I wish I could bet, like, win totals in, like, they do this for, like, scoring and stuff, right? Where you could, like, bet a team win by, like, 21, or you could bet them, like, in a range and stuff like that. I would much rather bet Pittsburgh over 10 and then, like, under 4. Because if, like, Roethlisberger goes down this week season, pre, uh, this season, or this preseason, Week three game, and Mason Rudolph has to start for him, it's just going to be disastrous because I don't think Mason Rudolph or, like, Landry Jones can win with this team. Oh, yeah. I mean, did you see uh, – have you seen Landry Jones – or not Landry Jones, Mason Rudolph's stat line from their game against the Packers? The game where I told you who was in coverage on a touchdown and sent it to your phone instantly? Yeah. But- I'm very aware of what that was. Mason Rudolph, the first pass of the game, he threw a ball outside the numbers, and it was pick six for Jamal Williams. It looked like a – was it the division? Oh, no, 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 you're right, Jamal Williams. Yeah, it was Jamal Williams. There was also a Josh, Josh uh, Jackson interception too, but it looked like – the Jamal Williams interception looked like the one against the Falcons in the playoffs a few years ago. Yeah, that was a fun game. Uh, Mason Rudolph, he had five for 12, 47 yards, which means he's averaging pristine 3.9 yards in the attempt, one touchdown, one interception, three sacks for 20 yards. So I think like, <laughs> I, 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 that's like I, negative yardage. You like, know, I, literally... I actually, I did, I actually did calculate it earlier today and it gave him an adjusted net yards per attempt of 0.1. So he barely escaped negative, uh, adjusted net yards per attempt with all the sack yardage. So. Congrats to you, Mason Rudolph. You, you really, really struggle in this preseason. Uh, so yeah, that, I think that that gets us through the AFC North, which means we have one division left, the NFC North. So we'll go in reverse order. And off the top of my head, who had who was Chicago? Chicago. 
Yeah. Uh, Chicago, they're like kind of all over the place for me. Just because I think it, it comes down to how much do you trust Mitch Trubisky? And, I mean, for me, to be quite honest, like he just hasn't shown enough for me to believe in him yet. Uh, and I, I don't think he's been like particularly great this preseason or anything, but just the added bonus. He is not. He has not been. Yeah. The, the, I think the Bears overall have had the worst quarterback play in the preseason when you look at it from like NBA value perspective. Uh, yeah, it just, it just it's kind of looked the same as last year, which is a little disheartening, I would say. Uh, but I, I think that they'll be better on offense just based off the fact that like, you got Alan Robinson in there, you're getting Taylor Gabriel in there, and maybe those guys haven't played much in the preseason, but those they should help you win you know, a couple games in the regular season. Now, I'm just kind I'm, I'm of just, – I'm just trying to figure out, like, how good is Trey Burton, too? You know, how does Tariq Cohen fit into this offense? And there's, I feel like there's just a lot of questions with the Bears' offense that people are trying like, to answer. But the preseason isn't really helping either. You know what I mean? Like, when a guy – like, their backs aren't really playing either. So, like, there was a game, I think – I think it was the – one, I think it was week one. It might have been week two, where Taquan Mazel was like the first back on the team to uh, get carried. Do you know anything about this guy named I've Taquan never heard Mizzell? that name until just now. Yeah, I didn't know about it until I like looked through a uh, play-by-play to like just see like how backs are getting touches. And I saw him, and I was like, this is a fake fucking name. So it's not like the Bears offense that we know is like even really – like, the one that's going to be there week one is not one that we're even seeing, so it's kind of hard to project moving forward. Also, Cody Whitehair's snaps are just getting ridiculous at this point. This is probably something people are going to note. Because I think the Bears open up Sunday night against the Packers. So Cody Whitehair is something to watch in that, I guess. But his snaps are just fucking crazy right now. Yeah. I... It's like, um, remember when Pouncey moved to center the first time? Yeah. And, like, he didn't really know how to do it? And the snaps were just kind of wild. That's kind of what it was. Yeah. When he was at when he was at Florida, I think the other it might have been the other Pouncey, the one who's not even playing. Oh, oh, center. yeah. You think of Mike Pouncey, who's with? Yeah, Mike I think Rogers? it was it. Yeah, I think because there was I think one of them played center, went to the league, then the other one stayed, moved to the center, yeah. and his snaps were just like fucking crazy all year Marquise, for that for that game. I remember scene. Marquise went first, he declared, and then Mike stood over the to the center after him. Uh, yeah, but it was, it's like it's like that. It's that's the only other because that like by the time you hit the NFL or college, like guys who are playing center know how to snap a damn ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the only thing that I can really compare it to. Uh, but man, like, and then on defense, I I think you know they should be fine on defense. I mean, they were a pretty good defense last year. Uh, in terms of like getting pressure, I guess you need Leonard Floyd to kind of step up and be the man this year, well, right? Floyd just had surgery on his hand. So. Okay, well, I didn't realize that. Shows how informed I am. Uh, I think it just came out today, but probably something you should know. NFL NFL editor? No, what are you? Senior, NFL senior news NFL desk writer. writer? Yeah, senior NFL news desk writer. Uh, Sounds like news to me, but it's yeah. not my business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, with, on top of that, I, I just – I don't really – I'm kind of concerned about, like, where does your edge rush come from, but I still like the interior of that defense. I don't think it's going to take too long for Roquan Smith to get things under control on his end. And then, you know, I, I think their secondary is kind of underrated too. Uh, yeah, because I don't think people realize that, like, Prince bounced back. Bounced back. 
Yeah, Kyle Fuller kind of. Kyle Fuller is just great. Like I remember, you know, there was a little stretch in time when Kyle Fuller was just a punchline for the Calvin Johnson. Like I, mean, I don't think it was rookie or Calvin Johnson just made a fool of him on Thanksgiving, and then you know, but, but since they, I, I mean, last year he he bounced back. Prince bounced back. They got some good safety play from Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson. Like, I really do like how the defense is shaped up. It's just, you know, coming back to the offense, is Trubisky the real deal? And so far, you know, he hasn't shown you nearly as much as Watson has. So that's kind of looking like a mistake on their part. Yeah, we've, we've been joking about how, like, they kind of, like, he's like a wingy quarterback right now, and they want him to be a spread guy, right? Like, it just doesn't really make sense what they're trying to do, where they have guys like Burton, guys like Gabriel, guys like Allen Robinson. Anthony Miller's been a guy who's been showing out this preseason. And uh, Tariq Cohen to catch out of the backfield. And they're just like, can't pass the ball still. You know what I mean? So. Yep. Uh, what's the over-under that you have for them? Six. This is the lowest number outside of the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. They have, a, they have a tough schedule this year. Uh, they get to play the Packers twice and the Vikings twice. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Plus, like the bo- the bottom end, the ass end of the NFC isn't really like easy, right? Like they're still playing. Like the Giants, you said, are you don't think that they're that bad? Tampa's a fourth seed somehow, and they're not bad. Yeah, so they play. Uh, they're, so they're, they're at the Packers versus Seahawks at the Cardinals, Bucks, Dolphins. They play the Patriots this year. The Jets are at the Bills. They play the Lions, who are not awful. Vikings, Lions, Giants. They play the Rams, Packers, 49ers, Vikings. So, you know, it's not horrible to start off the season, but they kind of hit a little murderous row once that first Lions game comes, where you're going Lions, Vikings, Lions, Giants, Rams, Packers, 49ers, Vikings. Like, that's that's kind of a little brutal stretch right there. Uh, a little gauntlet run. Yeah. yeah, to close the season. But, uh, you know, it's it, like, like we've – Said ad nauseum, it's going to come down, come down to Trubisky. So, with the six, man, that, that's kind of low. But now looking at how their schedule ends, I think I'm going to go with a push there. Okay, sounds good to me. That sounds like right. Six sounds like the right number. Yeah, six. Where it's like this team isn't bad, but they're like they're literally taking the slowest progression up, right? Yeah, where you go from five to six wins. Or yeah. where they go, they went from three wins to five wins to six, like yeah. project the six or seven. That's what I'm saying. Like this, the slowest, the slowest upward trend possible. Yeah. Uh, so next team, your Green Bay Packers. My Green Bay Packers. I agree. Um, if a backup offensive lineman has to play for this team, it is going to be a complete disaster. Because based off of this preseason, they have five, exactly five offensive linemen who are NFL caliber. So that will be interesting moving forward. Um, what do you think about this team? I mean, you just relearned that Aaron Jones has a suspension. So where are you at with this guy? Uh, I like I, – I don't know how much I like them this year, but I like the idea of them moving forward, like beyond this year. Because that, it looks like you're going to rely – I mean, you pay more attention to the Packers and Priests than I have, but – it looks like you're going to be relying on a lot of youth in the secondary, and that's always a little bit difficult. Kind of. Uh, Devon, Devon House sometimes is working with a one still. So? so. Uh, he's old as shit. Yeah, and also, I, I so know, is Tramal Williams. I, I was thinking of Josh Jackson. Uh, 
Yeah, they they have young guys. They have Kevin King who's still struggling with you know shoulder injuries going on you know year four of this basically, and then they have Josh Jones. They have Jair Alexander who's working as a slot guy and as a returner, right? Um, but they still very much like are using the old guys, and I think Jamal Williams can still play. Yes, I'm just worried about them playing half too much. How is uh, Jerry Alexander looking in preseason? Has he like I, I feel like you haven't heard anything about him. He's good. I mean, like the Packers are doing really well this preseason, actually. Um, so all the guys are kind of standing out a little bit in the secondary, um, but they're doing solid. Josh Jackson's the guy who stood out more, just because. I mean, it's not surprising based off of like what he did in college, but he's the guy who's getting pass deflections and is getting interceptions, whereas like guys just aren't throwing to Jair Alexander, which it's hard to write about absence of things, right? Right, right. Uh, I mean, obviously, outside of that, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Jimmy Graham. It's going to be the new red zone god for him, uh, like we already talked about earlier. Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams kind of filling out. You know, like the normal faces. I, I just feel I, I'm I'm a little concerned about. Are you concerned about the offensive line depth for this team? Absolutely, 100. percent uh, Kyle Murphy should be playing some arena league in Mexico. He should not be on this team. And he is their left tackle if Bakhtiari goes down. So have they cut concerns? Him? Absolutely. Uh, Byron Bell has been getting a lot of playing time because they don't trust Jason Spriggs, and Byron Bell looks awful, which makes me feel even worse about Jason Spriggs. Byron Bell is terrible. I mean, he he I mean, he can't play. He never has been able to play. Yeah, like that's the guy that, that baffles me. Where you're like, why do teams keep signing this guy? But. Uh, Marshall Newhouse is the guy for me. Where Marshall Newhouse, and I'm like, man, he has been awful for. 13 years, and he is still signing checks. Yeah, I mean, just like, <laughs> I mean, Byron Bell, he was a UDFA out of New Mexico in 2011. And I mean, it just, is his career has played out like a guy who had no draft stock or draft capital at all. You know, he, he just stinks. Uh, I'm looking at, I'm looking at his uh, combine measures right now. He almost had a five second 20 yard shuttle. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, and that was almost ten years ago. So, like, you wonder. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta adjust for HDH and like <laughs> all the all the gluten that our children have been eating since then. Uh, Different era. Okay, so how are you concerned at all about the passers for this team? Oh yeah, Nick Perry still isn't playing. He just came off of POP, and uh, Clay Matthews hasn't had a good season in terms of sacks since the NFL started testing for HGH. Mm-hmm. Just gonna leave that out there. Yeah. Just gonna leave Not that we're accusing of anything, or would I would never. Those are two completely independent facts that I presented. Right, they're you know not correlated. They just happen to be there around the same time. Uh... <laughs> Reggie Gilbert is doing well. Second straight preseason, he's starting to work with the ones over Kyler Fackrell, which is good. Um, Vince Beagle, if you end up watching that Pittsburgh game, uh, downs that Vince Beagle is on, they only play him over the center, either in a four-point stance or a two-point stance, which is not how I would use him. Um, so he's, like, in a spot where, like, I don't even know what they're going to do with him, right? Like, he just needs to be, like, shelled on special teams and, like, redshirted in another, another year, apparently. So, um, I don't know. I'm praying for Khalil Pack at this point, bro. Two first-round picks. Use them. I mean, I mean, the Vegas odds keep getting closer and closer to the Packers, so I'm sure there's something going on there that we don't know. It's going to be like a Reggie McKenzie contingency plan after he gets fired because he's 100% going to get fired because Gruden doesn't – like, Gruden's going to be the GM of that team. If what does Reggie McKenzie want to be there for? He pretty much is already, you know. 
so what's he, what you got for over under for the Packers? Ten. Um, let me explain why that the Packers have the same win total as the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they play a third seed schedule and they play the AFC East, and three of those games will be layups. So um, much of this is just like. Hey, they got a really easy schedule relative to the talent on their team because their quarterback didn't play half the season, and then also they lucked out by playing the worst division of football. Yeah, and you got games versus the versus the Cardinals, and I mean you're, you're probably going to win yeah. most of your division games uh, as well. So I would say so. I mean Minnesota's is Minnesota's as tough. good or better than them, right? Um, but I don't worry about Detroit or uh, Chicago very much. Yeah, so. Uh, ten. Wow. I, you know, I, I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers coming back in a full healthy season, hopefully, will. Well, I mean, that's going to be a gigantic boost. Uh, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go a push on that ten. You know, I, I could see this team even winning the division if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy all, all, all sixteen games. Uh, next team, the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford, future Hall of Famer. I could not believe the take. Like it's just, it's it's just straight volume. Like you know, like it is all volume. He throws frequently. He throws poorly, but frequently. Yeah, it's up until this year. I'll give him this this past year, twenty seventeen. That's really it's like twenty seventeen, and then like I think twenty eleven, where he's like really good years. And then other than that, he's been replaceable. Like we did the, I posted a tweet yesterday about like NEA value since two thousand eleven. Like, Kaepernick is basically as valuable as him. And Kaepernick has been, like, people talk about Kaepernick like he fell off four years ago. And yet, physically has not played the past, what, two? Two seasons. So, like, what are we even talking about here? Where we talk, like, what distorted world is Matthew Stafford, a Hall of Fame quarterback? He's Vinny Testaverde. He throws frequently. That doesn't mean he throws well. Yeah, like, last year was the first year he had a really efficient season, you know? It was the first time. Yeah, it's... I just I I was baffled by that take. I didn't realize that people thought that he was going to be. He's not even Alex Smith, right? <laughs> He's not Alex Smith. The thing but, is, uh, we're up. We're coming up on year ten of Matthew Stafford in the NFL, which is kind of fucking crazy to think about. Uh, which is interesting considering he has one Pro Bowl I, right, I in a NFL climate where everyone gets Pro Bowls because guys dip out of the Pro Bowl. He so. has one. Pro Bowl in you know coming up on ten years, and he has one year where he's been like, I, I think he only has one year last year in which he's been well above average in terms of like adjusted yards per attempt value. Like last year was the first year he ever broke seven on adjusted yards per attempt. Uh, so, or no, that was adjusted net yards per attempt. Last year was the first time he ever broke eight yards on adjusted yards per attempt, which is a great season. I'll, like no doubt. Yeah, he, he was great last year, but up until then, he's like, one season does not make a career, and he also, like, that season doesn't compare to, like, what Matt Ryan did year, the year before and stuff like that. Like, I just, it just really doesn't make any sense yeah, what so he's been it's, doing it's compared to like, what he... I was about to say, like, you look at Stafford's 20, 2017 season, and it's good, but in terms of, like, great seasons, like, it's not... A Brady 2007. It's not a Rodgers 2011. It's not a Peyton Manning 2013. It's not a Matt Ryan 2016. You know, it's it was a good year, but it wasn't even like a great outlier year. Like so, Dante Culpepper's had two better years than that, and no one remembers Dante Culpepper. So yeah, I so <laughs> like, like, his, history is not going to treat Matthew Stafford's stats well. 
Yeah, it's like like pump the brakes. He he has he had a season where he threw the ball seven hundred twenty seven times a year after throwing it six hundred and sixty three times. Like, come on, let's pump the brakes on this. It doesn't make much sense. Uh, he's a solid player, but he's not near Hall of Fame caliber. Like if you like if you want to say he's Hall of Fame caliber, you taking Matthew Stafford over Russell Wilson? Hell no. Uh, Absolutely not. Yeah. So it, it's just like when you start talking about the caliber of players that are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Stafford's not even really close. Uh, wow. And I just realized the season that he had 727 passing attempts, he threw 20 touchdowns. That's all. Teddy Bridgewater numbers. Okay, relax, relax. Come on, we're uplifting our black <laughs> right We're uplifting Teddy Bridgewater right now. Um, so, I mean, with the rest of the team, the defense does not scare me in the slightest. Like, I think that front seven is extremely soft. And I thought it was kind of interesting that they didn't really address it this offseason. Yeah, and they also just released Cornelius Washington, who, like, not a great guy, but he was a depth guy there. And I really don't know, unless the plan was Deshaun Hand is replacing him, just point blank, period. Um, I really don't know what they're going to do there. I really haven't seen that much of Detroit this preseason year, so I don't know if, like, Kerry Hyder is back. He was a guy that both of us really liked when he saw the field in 2016. He missed all 2017. Um, but we'll see, man, because Ziggy basically, like, his sacks all came in, like, a stretch, right, where he was very erratic basically his entire year. Um, people have said that uh, Anthony Zettel doesn't look the same compared to last year. Oh, and then Kerry Hyder is a guy who's coming off an Achilles. So that, if that front seven isn't working, I don't know. You, you saw the Kyle Laletta play, right? Oh, where he jukes him. Was that Zettel? Yep, that was Zettel, the first guy that he juked. So. <laughs> it looked like – it looked like – Luletta literally, like, didn't even juke anyone. Like, he just stopped, right? And just people just moved around him. Like, he, he was like an anti-magnet. Here's what Zettel looked like. Like, you know that, that <laughs> the episode of The Office where, Kellen, where, oh God, where Kevin brings the chili to work? <laughs> and he's walking around, like, trying not to spill it everywhere. And he's, like, tumbling everywhere. That's what Luletta looked like when he was running to the end zone. So, yeah, I, I don't trust the Viking, or the Lions defensive line at all. I don't trust their linebackers at all. I like their. I, I like Glover. I mean, not Glover Quinn, because I, I think even Glover Quinn is starting to slow down a little bit. Like, if you saw that first run that Marshawn Lynch had against uh, the Lions, that got called back. He's he smoked Glover Quinn on that one. Uh, I mean, I like Darius Slay, but the rest of this this defense just it doesn't do it for me. Uh, and even then, like on top of that, we don't really know if Matt Patricia is actually good at calling defensive plays. You know, because his teams always give him a ton of yards, and now he doesn't have like the Belichick watching over him factor. So, I'm I'm real intrigued what goes on there. Their offense just feels like you know good, but not threatening in any real way. I think their pass catchers are good. Yeah, but like, right? but still, like, and their offensive line is like completely revamped. I will say that like yeah, their offensive good. line going from what they had last year with like. Not not backups, but reserve offensive linemen were having to play because of how many injuries they had. I think their offensive line is going to be a huge difference for this team compared to last year. But in general, I agree. I mean, Stafford's had, like I said, 2011 and then 2017, like two really good years um, in his career. And then other than that, he's kind of been just erratic and average. So, Yeah, it, it's, it, for the, with the lines, it's not the offense because they'll be fine. Uh, you know, I would imagine they'll be a top 10 offense again, probably. I, it's just the defense, man. Like, 
I, I, I think that in the front seven, they just don't have much talent at all. Aishon Robinson has been terrible this preseason. Um, in a Kansas City-Detroit Lions game, right? Kansas City-Detroit Lions game, what would you set the over-under as? Oh. Probably at, what, like 45, something like that? 46? 40 combined points? Oh, oh, oh. You know, I, I was I wasn't even I forgot that the Chiefs defense is also ass. Uh so you probably I mean, wow, probably over like fifty then, like fifty one, fifty two. I would say eight hundred. Eight hundred is a fair number. Eight hundred? Yeah. Eight hundred <laughs> points in a in a Lions Chiefs game. There's just zero defense, just wide well, receivers actually, just running everywhere. Who knows? Because you know, the way the way that Mahomes has been looking outside of that one throw, the Chiefs they I mean that offense look kinda of duty right now too, but we were we said a thing like you said something, and then I replied and I was like, Mahomes is a baseball player who fought his DNA, and then he instantly threw a seventy yard bomb. Yeah. Okay. So what happened in that game was they like the, the Falcons. Their their first team defense was kicking ass against uh, Mahomes, and then they got down to the red zone, and there was one play where Mahomes threw it, and Robert Alford could have gotten the pick, but he just decided to deflect it. And there was another, the next play, he comes back and throws what should have been an interception to Billy Rare Wilson, who dropped it. Like, it was a perfect pass right to him, and he dropped it. Then on the next drive, he comes out and throws, like, that horrific interception to DeMonte KZ. So that's when I was like, yo, he should have had, like, three – or like he should have had, like, three interceptions in a span of, like, five or six plays. This is like almost like borderline disaster for him, and then the Falcons starters come out after the interception. Then he throws a seventy-yard pass against their third-string defense. Like I didn't even know he was on the field for them, but still, that throw was awesome. But now we're talking about the Chiefs, and I don't know why. But Chiefs offense, <laughs> Chiefs offense. I'm, I'm a little concerned. yeah, I'm a, I'm a little concerned about the Chiefs offense. But back to the Lions. What's their over under? Eight and a half. Uh. Mm. I think I'll go uh, under, under, just because I already pushed. Oh, wow, with a with a Hall of Fame quarterback, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> I mean, I already pushed uh, ten for the Packers, and I mean the Vikings are much better than the Lions are. So that's true. Okay, uh, we'll go Minnesota. This is our last team. We finally did it. Um, follow our friend Arif Hassan. He just signed with the Athletic. Yeah, thank God. This team is really fucking good. Uh, there's not much more to say besides that. Like, I, I I don't know how much better statistically Kirk Cousins will be last year than Case Keenum was, but over a long term, he probably gives you more stability there. That defense is going to be utterly dominant again. I mean, did you see what Daniel Hunter did to Cam Robinson last week? I did. I did. All the PFF guys we're sharing that around. Yeah, I bet they were. Because um, Cam, Cam Robinson is a guy who people criticize PFF grades about a lot. So, yeah, Daniel Hunter just thrashed him. Uh, yeah, this team's loaded. Their defensive line is, just, is stacked. Uh, linebackers, amazing. Defensive backs, amazing. I mean, Mike Hughes, that's such a good luxury pick to have. Uh, you throw him out there with Xavier Rose and Terrence Newman and Harrison Smith. Like, that defense is just going to... Again, just put teams in a stranglehold. Yeah. 
For sure. Um, the big thing that I worry about the Vikings is just their offensive line, just because one, they really don't have that much experience. Two, they don't have that much talent. And then three, they just lost Tony Sperano. So I wonder how that whole situation is going to play out. But um, outside of that, I mean, I think they're pretty solid up and down, especially on defense. They basically have potential pro bowlers on every level on defense, right? Like, is there a guy, Daniel Hunter, Linval Joseph, Sheldon Richardson, Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Trey Waynes, Anderson Deho, Harrison Smith, and Xavier Rhodes. If I said any of those guys were going to be pro bowlers, you would not bat an eye, and that's 10 different starters. Uh, yeah. It's just like when you look at the collection of talent on the team from top to bottom, it's just astounding what they have, you know? And it's going to blow up soon. Like, let's let's be clear. Some of those guys on defense are going to get paid. Um, but right now, it's really fun. Yeah, offense. I like. I mean, offensive line. Like you said, like I, I think that Case Keenum made them look so much better than they actually are last year, just with his abilities of Void Sacks and Kirk has been pretty vocal, saying he's not that guy, but something he's working on. So we'll see how that goes. It just kind of getting all of those guys on the same page, but getting down Cook back will be a big boost. Stefan Diggs and Thielen are one of the top, you know, elite wide receiver duos in the league. So, uh, and then you got Flip, John DeFilippo, the former offensive corner for the Browns, another coach that they let get away. Yeah, man, they're, they're running, they're running like RPOs and stuff in the red zone yeah. already. It's amazing. Like the Browns, they had Shanahan and then he left and then they had Flip and he left and, Wow, like it's just when you look at the, some of the coaches the Browns have had on their staff, like Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, and then you get other guys that have success. It's it's pretty amazing just how common that team is. But yeah, Flip is going to be really good for this team. They, they're running RPOs in the red zone, which is something that they didn't really do last year. Uh, like that that offense schematically should take a leap forward. So I, I'm I'm excited just to watch that whole collection of talent. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited about. Because Kirk, Kirk is a guy who, like, historically has struggled in the red zone for a quarterback, right? Um, yeah. Especially for one who's played as often as he has and hasn't lost his starting job, basically. So I think that stuff is going to help basically mask where he's worst, right? And with those receivers, why wouldn't you want one-on-one situations? So I think I think that the way that they've basically approached how they're going to do stuff in the red zone, at least this preseason – um, matches with what they should have done when you look at the context of who they have at receiver, who they have at quarterback, what the trends are in the NFL right now. It basically fits like a glove. Yep. Uh, so with all of that said, you know, this is just a stacked team from down from top to bottom. Great coaching. I mean, Mike Zimmer is elite defensive coach. Flip's one of the best offensive coaches in the league. What's the over-under? Ten. 10, uh, I mean, I'll push at that, too, just because it's, like, the NFC is just a gauntlet this year. And even though the Vikings are one of the best teams, like, it's just hard to, it's hard, It's going to be hard to go, you know, 14-2, 13-3, 12-4 with, like, who they have to play this year. Uh, and, and, and that's, like, guys are, like, teams are going to go that, but being able to predict it is very difficult. Right, right, right. So, Right, it's it's hard for me to say, you know, oh the Vikings are going to go thirteen and three again. Well, it's really really fucking hard to go thirteen and three, and that's just the reality of the situation. But 
they're they're so good and so complete that unless they have a horrible situation where both Kirk Cousins and Trevor Simeon go down, I I don't really see how this team is in, in the playoffs come come the winter. Yeah, I agree. I I think this team is better than Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, so do I. Just on on. Just from top to bottom, but then Green Bay kind of gets that schedule boost, and you know the God. Yeah, for sure. Rogers. Uh, so wow, this is it'll by far the longest podcast we've done. Two hours. Discussions. Yeah, uh, I'm bored of talking to you. So that's episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's episode seventy nine of Setting the Edge. Uh, we'll be back at some point, but until then, uh, I'm sure we're gonna have a lot of cool stuff being released lately. So, adios, five stars. <laughs>